Kaura, everyone, and welcome to Tekupu, or The Word, with me, your host, Christopher Von Roy. Today, for episode number 14 on the 7th of December 2021. Today, we got to talk to an incredible journalist, author, diversity advocate, and change maker, Antoinette Latouf. For those of you who don't know Antoinette, she is an incredibly charming and funny woman who has brought it upon herself to diversify the media landscape in Australia. So along with writing an incredible book that's coming out in May 2022, Antoinette started an organization called Media Diversity Australia, which had the sole aim of trying to culturally and linguistically influence Australia as it exists as a nation now, which is culturally diverse and yeah, linguistically specialized. So it was incredible having to talk to Antoinette and she really goes deep and talks about her past and growing up in a Lebanese household and what this meant, especially in the aftermath of 9-11. And yeah, an unbelievable woman. And I urge you guys to pre-order her book, How to Lose Friends and Influence White People. And yeah, I think you'll really enjoy this podcast as much as I did recording it. She's such a down-to-earth, humble, and really special human being, and I think that really comes across in this interview. Um, I decided to not edit it because I think it just brought across this really uniquely human part of Antoinette, which people probably don't get to see very often. So I hope you guys enjoy this, and yeah, stick around to the end because we've got a couple of gems coming up. So without further ado, let's welcome Antoinette to the podcast. Can you hear me? I can. How are you? Excellent. Yeah, 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 I'm doing really well. And you? Thanks so much for taking the time on a Friday afternoon. That's awesome. What what time is it there for you? All right. So it's four in the afternoon here. So almost business overtime. There you go. Someone else calling you. Do you want to take that call? No, no, that's okay. That's just um, it's just my husband. He's gonna. Oh, right, just your husband. <laughs> just my husband. We can we can have him on the call as well. Could be an interesting little diversion. <laughs> yeah. So, how are you doing, Antoinette? Are you? I've in... not used this platform before, so it just records good audio. Is that? Yeah. Is that? Yeah, 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 exactly. And it's linked to Spotify, and so it's kind of one of the easier ones to get the podcasts out there. Okay, perfect. And it, worked, and it didn't crash your laptop, which has happened with other guests before. Ah, so, uh, right. Okay. And, and how long do you hope to chat for? However long you, you want to do it. Like an hour is usually the cutoff. I think people get quite tired after that. But, yeah, if you, want to, if you need to leave any time, you can just tell me. Yeah, cool. I reckon let's, let's aim for about 40, 45 minutes. Excellent. I um, I reckon we can get everything out. I'm used to performing and chatting, and you know. <laughs> I was gonna say, like you being a journalist, it's probably um, you're always on the other end. You're on my end of the scene. Exactly, exactly. So, and I and sometimes I think it's better to be punchy and interesting rather than just you know stay the course for an hour and bore the bore the hell out of everybody. Amazing. That's so good. I've had the whole spectrum of people on here. I've had people that have been in bad moods as well, and that's just not easy. Oh, where, wow. I just, where I just feel like, oh, God, should I call it? Should I say, do you not want to do this? And then, yeah, anyway. 
but it's good. You sound like you're in a good mood, so that's fine. Yeah, no, we'll have fun. Let's do it. <laughs> All right, let's go. So where are you at the moment? I am just at home from the, in the home office. And that's in, in, in Sydney? Sydney? Yeah, Sydney. you're in Sydney. Amazing. So I always try and get people before we kind of get into things to give me a little bit of background, like an origin story, if you will, of Antoinette Latouf. Amazing name, by the way. And I I suspect it's got this French Lebanese. That's where it comes from. eh? Yeah, exactly. That's what it is. Um, It's 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 obviously a very French name, but I'm Lebanese and I'm unfortunately at French restaurants when 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 the table booking is in my name, the staff are really excited, hoping to meet (laughs) a French woman and then they meet me and I have to break it to them that I can only say croissant. Um, (laughs) Funny. (laughs) Can your parents speak French? I'm sure they probably can. they learned it when they were younger at school, yeah. um, but I think they've lost it. They don't. They don't practice yeah. it anymore. No. Yeah. So, how did you come about moving to? How did? Well, you were born in Australia, I think. Yeah. Right? So, sh- yeah. should I should I start yeah, yeah. off with who I am? And yeah, go for it. Yeah, sure. So, um, my name's Antoinette Latouf. I'm a, a Sydney-based journalist. I'm the daughter of refugees who came from Lebanon, um, fleeing. The Civil War, and and so Sydney and, and Western Sydney became a home to quite a huge amount of um, refugees, um, and our community continues to grow in third and fourth generation Lebanese people. So while we have a we have a strong community here, um, unfortunately, in many ways, the experience of Lebanese Australians has been different to the Lebanese. Um, diaspora elsewhere where they're often, um, I, I guess their connection to society and their value in society is is very different. Um, so when, whenever I travel, and I guess you may be wondering, like, what does that mean? Yeah. Um, whenever I travel anywhere, be that Canada or the UK or anywhere in Europe, and I say that and I tell people I'm Australian and they look at me and I you know, look, you know, very Middle Eastern and I say, oh, well, I'm actually Lebanese. The general response, actually not general, the overwhelming response is, ah, Lebanese people, hospitable, beautiful culture, you know, real philanthropists, you know, yeah. philanthropists, real business people. Yeah. It's really kind of positive response that appreciates the, the culture and the history, but also some of the, you know, really important and um, significant impacts Lebanese yeah business figures and political figures have had. In Australia, unfortunately, the subculture is quite quite different. And I think um, Australia's undercurrent of racism and hostility. Um, yeah. We haven't had a, um, a good journey in Australia. I would often tell people I was Lebanese and you could see them either taking a deep breath or take you know or shuffling uneasily on their feet. And that really Oh wow. That really escalated around um, after September 11. Um, I guess people, yeah. anyone in Arab background or, or, or Muslim heritage, had that response. But then we had a, a few cases. We had the race riots between um, Anglo Australians uh, and violence towards Lebanese Australian males or yeah. anyone who had olive skin, for that matter. I remember that? That was in Sydney, primarily. Yeah, that was yeah. in Sydney, and 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 a bunch of other and about a bunch of other smaller incidents, which just generally um, created quite a lot of hostility and tension amongst yeah. the broader Australian community and the Lebanese Australian community. And I guess it was growing up in that context and being and being at school when September 11 happened and being called a terrorist, all of those things, yeah. and really getting that response when I told, you know, when people would hear Arabic, speak, you know, me or my family speaking Arabic or know my ancestry. And I yeah. realised that the media played an enormous role in that. 
that yeah. the media's kind of it was actually found what um, Australia at the time's most popular sort of shock jock radio broadcaster he was found to have incited um the help to incite the Cronulla riots by encouraging oh wow people. is that what it was called the Cronulla yeah the Cronulla, Cronulla riots. riots yeah by encouraging people you know um to take on these thugs and to what know, so he was like a right-wing Yes. white radio yeah. okay yeah and it was actually i mean i can say well it was my opinion that he's a uh, he incited it but no the communicate like the 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 watchdog the broadcaster rock watchdog's ruling was that yeah. what he did and how he could and how oh, he my goodness. In his words helped incite and encourage people to go there to beat up anybody who looked middle east wow and this is um, someone a lot of people listened to at the time yeah. Wow. So, and decorated, oh my the most goodness. popular and decorated broadcaster, radio broadcaster at the time in the country. And then continued Jesus. to have an illustrious career for the next 10 years. Wow. Um, and, so, and so I thought, this is this is really frustrating. It's really frustrating yeah. that um, racism not only exists, but it is rewarded. It's it's almost a business model for some yeah. media outlets. And, and it really comes down to Australia's horrific um, treatment um, in the past, but ongoing of our Indigenous communities. And when you can't reconcile yeah. um, and fix that, then what chance do any other non-white people um, that come yeah. to this country have? And so it's that undercurrent of um, awful treatment towards Indigenous Australians, um, yeah. first, you know, our First Nations people. Um, and it's kind of that unresolved um, racism um, and white supremacy, really. Because oh, yeah. In Australia, just before my parents came here, we had a white Australia policy. It was, it was our immigration policy. It was called the white Australia policy where we only wanted Jesus. white people. It was called that and that was only scrapped. What? When was this? In the 70s? In the 70s. The white oh, Australia. my Lord. So it was it was legislated. We had... Le Unapologetically, know, yeah. Unbelievable. <laughs> and so in many ways, you've got a question, you know, do se some sectors of the powers, the power institutions in this country and the media being one of them, do do they still believe and operate under a, you know, a white Australia policy? And, you know, my yeah. belief is yes. And so, yeah. and this is a very long way to say that. So I ended up becoming a journalist because I was so frustrated at the coverage at the time. And I thought I'm sick of being spoken about. I'm sick of my, you know, also coming from Western Sydney, which is an incredibly multicultural part of Sydney. And yeah. Um, uh, often very working class um, and so coming from you know a working class multicultural refugee um, background and was sick of kind of the narrative in the media and always being spoken about um, I said well I want to be part I want to be I want to be part of those voices so I became a journalist and yeah. about 10 years into into my career looked around and thought gosh the industry is not getting any more diverse it's, it's potentially getting it whiter like any any wow. people, people of color who are coming in uh, either having to deal with microaggressions, outright discrimination, or inability to have successful careers—not because they're not good enough, but because those calling the shots um, aren't inclusive um, in their management. Yeah. So I thought, okay, well, I can bitch and moan about it, or try and do something to fix it. And so, a, a good friend of mine, she's a Chinese Australian. We yeah. got together and we started a not-for-profit called Media Diversity Australia. Yeah. Um, and our goal was to, I mean, it sounds, to, for Australia to, our media to look and sound like Australia. So the second most common language in, in, in Australia is, is Mandarin. We have an enormous Amazing. 
Chinese yeah. population. But if you switched on our television, you would have no idea that yeah. Asian people lived in this country um, because they just have no presence in mainstream media. Yeah. Um, similarly, when we launched, there were no Indigenous Australians in on any breakfast television panel um, in it. Prime time Amazing. Role. I was going to say, so when you were growing up, when you were younger, was there anyone that no. you could say? So there was no one, basically. No one. So you, no. you saw no one that you could say, oh, there is someone who's paved the way. No, there was, abs- there was absolutely nobody. And Horrible, so, yeah. Um, and then some some people will look at, you know, there's always a theory of exceptionalism, but what about you? You did okay. You got, you've done yeah. well. Oh, God, no, that's and so terrible. And name two yeah. or three people, two yeah. or three people of the 25 million in this country and go, but yeah. You know, what about wasn't there that one Asian one time in the country? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, yeah. And and so I so I decided that you know it would be uncomfortable, it would be difficult, it could potentially um, cost me my career because you know agitation and change is often. They don't like that. No. Um, but I had just I decided that I either wanted to be part of the solution or not part of it at all. And so I guess that's that's that's. Um, why and how Media Diversity Australia was born. And since then, so we've been around for five years, and I guess what's been interesting for us is um, we've been, we're all working journos and media professionals. So we have our jobs. I work for a a commercial broadcaster um, in Australia, Network 10, which is owned by CBS Viacom. Yeah, Um, massive. Yeah, and so, um, you know, we're kind of trying to, change things from the inside and outside and straddle these you know this kind of dual role which yeah. you know, can be awkward and we don't always get it right but then you know black lives matter happened um yeah. it continues to happen i mean it wasn't something that's you know that was a surprise but it it, it reached um that crescendo um in 2020 um yeah. and i think that really helped propel the conversation um oh obviously- yeah Obviously, the experience in the United States is different to here. Um, our our black population is an African American; they're indigenous. Yeah. Um, but so much of so many of the issues overlap in in terms of the the uh, the in- incredible disparities, the criminalization, the over incarceration, the deaths in custody, yeah. the media racism, all of that. Um, well, and at the basis, it also has the same fundamental human instinct towards of prejudice underlies both of them, right? So in that ab- sense. Yeah, absolutely. And so what, what that did was, I guess, um, help help our cause, essentially, because at that time we were releasing the first research of its kind in Australia, yeah. which was a rapport card on diversity on, on in, in news and current affairs on our screen. And so it was a huge undertaking with four yeah. universities that we led with the journalism union and with funding from Google News Lab. Oh, awesome. And it, what we were able to do was we took two weeks of uh, Australian television, so your morning show, t- you know, uh, breakfast programs and your evening and your late-night talk panels and all of that and did a, an audit of who was on screen. Presenters, reporters, yeah. and commentators, and then compared that to the Australian population. Wow, amazing! Um, and and so yeah, and it was it was it, the even though I knew it was bad, it was still incredibly confronting. Like I guess the worst con- offender, um, which was uh, one of the networks, didn't have a single Indigenous person, a single Black person. I love the way you didn't say the network then, even though you probably know it. I know it. (laughs) Very diplomatic of you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, one Google search and everyone, I'm going to put it into the show notes anyway. 
Yes. Presumably, one can access this report. Yes, they can. Yeah. They yeah. Can. Okay. Um, yeah. Good. Not a single, um, not a single black person at all. It's like yeah. they don't exist. Um, and another network, despite about twenty four percent of Australians being either Indigenous or non European, so you know Middle Eastern, Arab, um, and the like, they what only had. About, there, I didn't hear. What, what was, was the percentage? Sorry? What okay, so, so of, of the Australian population, 24%, yep. um, around 24%. Identifies non-white, wow. Non-white. Yeah, so you'd think a quarter of all news presenters would be... Yeah, no, it, yeah. it, no. Was six, it was 6%. Holy uh, shit. Um, and, and that's averaged, you know, and so some were far worse than others because the Australian... Uh, Broadcasting Corporation, which is our public broadcaster, um, yeah. did better. And so if you looked at individual outlets, you know, some had almost no um, non-European. One had like 0.8% representation of Indigenous people. Wow. Um, and so it was, it was, it was so bad. Um, and that we continued to have all white panels. We can we continued to have all white breakfast teams. And I just in 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 2020, in a Black Lives Matter era, it's just what like where yeah. where, where, where and and Australia is often uh, likes to pat itself on the back as being the most multicultural country on the earth. And I think ah. when 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 you look oh. at it and when you look at the demographics, I think it's quite similar to Canada in that we arguably are one of the most multicultural countries but it doesn't yeah. mean we celebrate it it doesn't no, mean exactly. that we have equal access to power it doesn't mean um we don't have all of these issues and so when that report came out i mean it made a huge splash here it made it in the new york times and in deutsche Welle, and yeah it, I mean, it pissed a lot of people off i got struck off a lot of a lot of business um christmas lists and um oh wow people. amazing good on you Antoine. and and so, and then a publisher contacted me and said, was like, oh, we think if they saw me on a panel show and they said, because um, I think I said something like, you know, I'm sick of walking into newsrooms and it looking like a Ku Klux Klan conference. Like, <laughs> I love that. Like, it's just. Did you say that on national television? Yes. yes. <laughs> I, oh, yeah. my God. Amazing. But, but it actually does. And I kid you not, yeah. you walk in. Besides and the think, white robes, I guess. But, yeah. <laughs> That's right. No, but I mean, like, other than the security guard who's probably of a Pacific Islander. Or yeah, amazing. Yeah. Or the finance department, which might have some Asians and Indians. There is yeah. not a single person of colour. In, in a newsroom, and this is a this is a, a pivotal part of our democracy, like yeah. the, the fourth estate. It's like, well, yeah. how, how can our democracy be functioning when we don't have a voice? So anyway, after I got struck off some lists, um, a publisher contacted me and said, oh, we think, you know, would you like to write a book? And then yeah. I kind of joked going, well, what am I going to write a book about? Like how to lose friends and influence white people? And they're like, that's exactly <laughs> what Amazing. So that <laughs> turned into your title. Wow. Yeah. I said, like, who's going to read my book? Like, and then they laughed. They were like, that's your title. Um, I love it. How to Lose Friends and Influence White People. And I was like, okay. Um, yes. And so I guess that's a, a very long way of getting you to where I am now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say, so when you guys started Media Diversity Australia, that was 2016. So that would have been right when the whole Trump thing happened. Yes. So yes. the timing couldn't have been more apt for you guys to ramp Absolutely. this up. And what we also identified was what happened, I guess, with Trump in the United States was 
it is dangerous when your media is out of touch with your population. It is dangerous. Oh, and yeah. It's a different, it's a different but, you know, your media, the media presence is concentrated on the East Coast and the West Coast, generally generally more progressive, generally more, uh, more well-to-do. This is in the United States yeah. context. Um, in Australia, where the geography is a bit different, that concentration and that lack of connection to working class or you call it middle America or our middle Australia or our middle very diverse Australia, um, and and I thought, oh gosh, crazy shit happens if you're out of touch. Wackos yep. get elected. Dangerous, yep. dangerous individuals get elected because all of a sudden they feel somebody's listening when mainstream yep. media isn't listening. Um, and, and 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 another thing, and this is something I explore in my book, there are a lot of people of color, like non-black people of color, who support the likes of Trump and these right-wing figures yeah Candace Owens being one of them yes yeah and and despite their anti-immigration xenophobic rhetoric yeah because in other ways they feel seen and heard either through the religion the prism of religion through the prism of working class yeah um so yes and I guess that was another reason for us because again I come from an incredibly working class you know family where I had to often jump the train barrier because we didn't I didn't have enough money to catch a train to get to university um and so you know and 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 relatives in and out of jail which continue you know and 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 I and I see and I live that um uh, but then I see what happens when a media demonizes failure failures fails to connect fails to address some of the other issues that are happening in society rather than just wait until somebody ends up in court or, you know, something ends in violence. But also bearing in mind that a lot of multicultural communities are conservative, culturally yeah. conservative, religiously conservative, and they vote conservatively. And so you, wow. you end up in this strange situation where in Australia we have people at the extremities, uh, this one woman called Pauline Hansen, whose whole rise to fame was saying that we're going to be swamped by Asians. That was yeah, her. I've heard about her, yeah. Um, and all of a sudden other people of colour voting for her. Um, wow. And I'm like, this is when our, our democracy isn't functioning and no. frightening things happen when, when it doesn't um, function properly. But, yeah, so Trump... And the election surprise um, and yeah. the media narrative up until that point and afterwards, and I guess the media was blamed to a big, uh, to a large extent. Um, yeah, for Trump, um, or for not seeing it, or for patronising him, or for being out of touch. Oh, and giving him the platform, right? So they gave him way more media time than anyone else there. So, well, and I it, guess, d- I guess, yeah. Yeah, well, I guess with I mean, Fox gave him lots of media time, but then other outlets. So did CNN because it was that that wow factor, wasn't it? It was like, look yeah. at this idiot, and everyone's like, no, he's not an idiot. He might make it, yeah, but right. yeah, I I just remember listening to Michael Moore going, "Yep, he's spot on," when he said, "You guys better watch out. This could happen." And yeah. like you said, it's even marginalized communities love him because he's he presented him, himself as that anti-establishment. Yes. You know, I'm going to really rough things up. And for people who had a bad rap in life, they're like, oh, wow, if he's really going to shake things up, maybe my life's going to change. And, you know, that's why so many Bernie supporters went suddenly and, oh, let's go to Trump because he's he's the next best thing. But so in terms of that type of political dynamic, like Australia is, would you say, would run that same risk? Yeah, I, I guess yeah. I guess what's slightly different about us is I've, one thing is we have mandatory voting. Um, and True. 
And so yeah. I, mean, I think that, you know, changes things substantially. Um, but what we have seen is... Um, so we have a two-party system. So, like, I guess you're Republicans and um, you're Democrats. And so ours yeah. is Liberal and Labor and Liberal are our Conservative Party. But more and more for Liberal to stay in power, they have to bow to those right of them, um, yeah. the fringe parties, because they're gaining popularity and they're kind of taking the Conservatives, you know. We need Conservatives in power in a Conservative perspective, but I call this the whack yeah. you know, the ones right of Conservative. And in order to form yeah. government, they form coalitions to have majority. Yeah. And so, so it's that mixed member part. It's the it's same the thing member, as in these, uh, but yeah. Even if they don't get in bed with them directly, they have to. They you, we find them adopting some of their narratives. So we had our our deputy prime minister, the second most powerful man in the country, say all lives matter. Um, oh my lord! What? And using proud boys type analogies, he's the second most powerful man in Jesus. the country. Still and now. Who is this? He did it about Michael McCormack. He did it about a year ago. Michael McCormack. Wow. And what was the media? What was the media reaction to that? Was I there mean, one? There, there outrage. A, a little bit, but again, if you had more people with skin in the game in the media, so like I have a much more prominent voice, and there are a few, there's a, probably a yeah. handful of us who are able to go, "What? Not okay." Here it yeah. is, and contested. But for too yeah. long, those things were going unchallenged. Um. And so yes, and when you have when you have the second most powerful man in the country um, using proud boys type slogans, yeah, um, and 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 um, refusing to acknowledge that we have a you know um, uh, far right extremi- um, extremist growing threat, our, our national security agency ASIO um, yeah. came out and said you know our workload has quadrupled in the past couple of years, and it's it's neo Nazis. Um, yeah, exactly. But, but, Same all over the world. Yeah, so continuing to say Muslim fundamentalism, on, yeah, you know, and, and just refusing to shift. And I honestly believe that's because if they fear that those conservatives aren't going to vote for them, they're going to vote for the, those right of them. And so it's placating. Yeah. It's placating the fringe. Amazing. Of the yeah, right. you're right. And if that's un, untested and, and and that goes unchallenged by a white media who goes, oh yeah, well I guess all all lives. <laughs> um, oh yeah. You know. And, and, and I just, which is probably quite innocent why he's saying that it's not a blatantly which is the whole when anyone i mean it wasn't blatant racists saying that either it was just people going oh yeah but not realizing how they were you know removing the power out of the cause the minute they said that yeah, but it was I, yeah it's, i wouldn't say there would be any malice in them comment like that but it was just ignorance right yes, and I, that's I, something I, you'd I, hope our elected leaders wouldn't it yeah. was strategic when our elected leaders did it. Well, this one, it was it was strategic. Um, you were, yeah to awaken that base. Yes, yeah. absolutely. And and it's I mean they, they do what they do, but the, the the role of the media is to challenge it. And when the role yeah. of the media lets things slide like that because they're cushioned in in in, in privilege, um, and never going never having to deal with you know racism and microaggressions and you know su- you know systemic barriers, then yeah. Innocently or otherwise, those things just slide by, um, just like so much of the. So, for example, there was a Middle East crime squad set up by New South Wales Police around the time of Cronulla riots. Yeah, it was. A, it was I'm, I'm pretty sure the first time there was a crime squad, and I don't know in, in the US there's a Latino crime squad or something. No, no, that would never fly. That yeah, doesn't exist. I, yeah, and years and years. I've never heard about that anywhere in the, the world. Middle That's... East crime squad, like, and so Jesus. It was, yeah. 
And like, and so just naming a squad after in, in the wake of September 11 to target Middle Eastern men. And oh my God, this was in the wake of, oh, after the end, the Cronulla oh, thing. So that wasn't yeah. directly after. Yeah. Okay. So it was after, I, I don't know. Yeah, it was. But no it was, one died in that in the Cronulla, or did no, they? No, no, no. It was just died. The bad good beating. About, the good yeah. thing about Australia is we don't have every idiot carrying a gun. No, um, exactly. And so people would have died if we didn't have the excellent gun laws that we have. Um, yeah. And anyway, um, but it's one yes. good thing you've got going for you. Yeah, look, <laughs> after all the litany of bad things, but no, it's important to name them though, because if we don't name and talk about them, they, like you say, they sit there and they fester and they breed these extremists. Absolutely. And people often say, but Australia's, if you don't like it, go back to the shit hot oh. nigger country you came from. You know, and I yeah. often get that. You're, why don't you go back and live in the Middle East if you, you know, and I'm like, well, I, I believe Australia and, and like the United States and the UK, they are good countries, but why shouldn't we want them to be great countries? Exactly. <laughs> and why shouldn't they be great for everybody? Not if you're exactly. just born a certain, you know, gender or religion or race or what. Well, that was my other question for you, Antoinette, and that is the Media Diversity Australia. Does that also specifically target the gender imbalance or is um, that not we, so much we, of an issue? We, in, yeah. we, we look at that and one of the things our report did find, for example, every national news director of a television network is a white male. Um, yeah. And we looked at the board. So we looked at who has power. Uh, because it's yeah. not only who's on screen, because some people could argue that's window dressing. You know, you could just pop yeah. a woman on air and it doesn't, you know, she doesn't She's really still, call yeah. the shots. Yeah. Um, and so uh, we identified which um, which boards had more more gender representation and which had cultural gender representation. I guess the issue is diversity to date in, in Australia has only been framed in, in terms of white women. And so any women we've identified, and this is also crosses over to corporate Australia, that yeah. was female, was a white female. And this is something okay. that I address in my book as well. I've got a, a chapter called hashtag not all white women. Um, and, <laughs> Amazing. And, um, because we often hear that, oh, but not all men are like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I only recently heard about that hashtag because I accidentally made that mistake of relativizing. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, my yes, friend. Yep. It's not all men, but it's all women. All women have yeah, not all white right women. Yeah. Yeah. And I've 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 walked down the street with my you know with my um, keys in my hand at night, yeah. thinking, okay, I don't know if someone's gonna, you know, I've walked into a bar and had someone grab grab my ass. These are just things that don't, dudes yeah. don't have to have, like don't have to experience. No. Exactly. Um, anyway, and so I've adopted that mentality, and it's often white feminists who push against, oh, you know, pale male stale, and I go, yeah, well, it's a problem when a woman joins that ranks because it becomes pale stale male Gale, and and Gale <laughs> is the and and Gale is monopolising the the feminist space, and I think the Me Too yeah. movement. Um, you know, copped some flack in the United States because it was kind of the white celebrity class that got it to real prominence, but its origins uh, from African-American women. Um, yeah. And that it didn't really take off in that Twitter viral way until some really pretty famous white women. Hollywood, and, yeah. And, 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 that's, and, that's not to, and that's not to discount that any survivor of sexual assault and sexual abuse, that it's, it's heinous and it's awful and it's damaging and yeah. we need to eradicate it all. But we need to acknowledge that there are extra layers of complexity, exactly. extra layers of power imbalances if you are LGBT or black or live with a disability or Indigenous uh, or Muslim. Um, and so, yes, so I, I guess 
we haven't, well, while we do look at gender a little bit, we identified that any gender progress in the media has been white and that without yeah. that intersectional um, allyship that they weren't on their own going to agitate, what, you know, yeah. women on their own weren't agitating enough for change. Yeah. I was going to ask you, so when you went and you obviously you would have studied either journalism or English literature. Yeah. Is so that... I, I, I studied um, a communications degree, but my yeah. minor, so I did it like a political theory, social theory. And so yeah. everything, so I didn't actually study like TV journalism per se, even though yeah. the bulk of my career has been in TV. Um, but I studied political theory, social theory, research and advocacy, which is kind of, it's kind of come full circle. Yeah, I was going to, yeah, when you, from you starting this, but I was going to, your experience in the academic setting in terms of diversity and, you know, your professors and, you know, your lectures, pretty similar to your experience being in the actual broadcast world or? In terms of? Of, yeah, the representation of minorities within the staff. I, I, I don't think it's much better, but I ensured that those who I partnered with were diverse so yeah um, but yeah I, I can't speak for the broader academic world but my experiences and those we brought on board had a track record in race racism diversity and inclusion or a lived experience um as a, as a person of color yeah so that, yeah that was our team and I guess that's why um you know we they, there was so much passion and so much effort because people brought their lived experience and I guess that's a thing people often say to me they're like Oh well, you know, if you're and someone said this to me the other day, if you're a poor white man, you've got the nobody cares about you right now. Nobody's talking oh, about God. you right now. And 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 into in, in, in some the point, yeah. In some respect, I understand it. If you're a poor white guy called Michael right now, you're working class. You're probably you know three generations unemployment. Um, but there's probably not a huge amount of hashtags and causes. <laughs> To, I get it. Yeah, I poor Michael. It. Yeah, come on. I get it. Yeah, but Michael very diplomatic has, of you. And 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 I said, well, I I, I understand that. Um, was that coming from a poor white Michael? That comment, or who yeah, said that, that, that to you? That was coming from uh, that was coming from a man. Um, and I just okay, spoke, amazing. What about, yeah. But about the, about this the 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 socioeconomic disadvantage, and that is that is a disadvantage. Yeah. But I said, you know, but even if you're but even if you're a, a black woman born into a middle class family, your your life chances are more limited by virtue of who you yeah. are. Yeah, yeah. I, I believe that. And like, oh, what is this? The well, that's statistically proven. Yeah, that's statistically. That's yeah. It's just the way it is. Particularly, and I don't know in a, in in a United States context, but the health outcomes, for example, um, for an indigenous woman, they're 10 times more likely to die um, in childbirth. Their life expectancy is 10 years lower than any other Australian. They're incarcerated. The, the most incarcerated person in Australia is an Indigenous woman. Um, wow. So, so I'm like... What? Is an Indigenous woman. That's so hard to... Yeah. Oh, um, man. Anyway, so we'll put Michael, Paul Michael aside, and I do hope, you know, the poor, poor Michael <laughs> gets a job and breaks that cycle. Um, but the system isn't yeah. stacked against... Is, is all I'm saying. No, exactly. Um, That's the whole point. And 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 so um, people say, oh, but it's just box, tick, tick, box ticking and this poor Michael, for example, you know. Yeah. Michael will never get a look in because they've got to hire an LGBT person and a black person and a this person. 
And I guess it's that superficial understanding of diversity and inclusion. That might be the diversity aspect, yes, the window dressing, hire the black person and the indigenous person and yeah. whatever. Um, and the inclusion part is when their skills, their lived experience, their perspective is is embraced and allowed to flourish. And then I guess the next step is, and what many people for some reason don't accept or understand, despite the litany of research that shows it, diversity is profitable. Diverse teams yep. are more innovative. Uh, staff stay longer. Um, they're, they're more profitable, innovative, happier. And so it's like, well, if you don't care about the social cohesion, you don't care about not being a racist, fine. Yeah. You should care about um, from a from bottom a, line. From a, yeah, from a business sense, care about the bottom line. They're more likely to understand your customer base. They're more likely, you know, like it just makes more commercial sense. Fiscal sense, um, yeah. Yeah, and, 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 and people, for some reason, I mean, McKinsey, Deloitte, there is so much research which backs, yeah. backs this that it, it's just the financially smart thing to do. And so when people then still resist it, it's go, well, so what is it? Do you not want money? Like, or do you, or you just want, do you want to continue pretending you're not racist? Because which one is it? Yeah, like, amazing. Because it's only one of those two. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. It's nothing else. Or both, else. which is the worst. Um, I was going to say, so was there, how much, I mean, this has been five years in the making, you've been working on this. Yes. Have you seen any sort of tangible? Yes, yeah, movement? we yeah? absolutely have. So, so for example, um, the, the statistic I rolled off, uh, that every television news director was a white male. Since yeah. our report has come out, two of the five uh, television news directors are female, one is a woman of colour. That is the first time oh, in Australian television history that that is amazing. Uh, and that figure is the one that got banded around everywhere. A hundred percent. What's her name, Antoinette? Uh, Rochelle Habib. And she actually works. Habib. So she's Middle Eastern, Middle Eastern as well. Middle Eastern, yeah. Wow. Um, Lebanese. Yes. Amazing. Oh my lord, that's so cool, Antoinette. Um. And um, also at the time when we released our report, there were no Indigenous people on television breakfast couches, like on the, you know, our versions, you have them as well. Now four of the five networks have an Indigenous person as their permanent fixture. Amazing. And so they are, they are, I mean, in terms of visual change, that is, that, that's a really powerful, so one's, a, I guess, a cosmetic change that the audience can see, but from a power broker change, yeah. um, there are now women and women of colour. And, and that was just, it just was not, to, to think that five years ago that was unthinkable um, yeah. shows that a lot has changed. Um, and a lot more needs to happen, but, yeah. Change I was about happens. to say, like, in terms of your co-founder, how about the Chinese representation within? Is that yeah, seen the so shift? Yeah, no. And oh, well, well, the thing is, we what we haven't done. The way we grouped it is based on Australian Human Rights Commission um, cultural groupings. And I guess in the United States, you have you know Black, Latino, whatever. You've got you've got your own. In Australia, we do Indigenous, Anglo, European, and non-European. And so okay. non-European encapsulates Indian, Asian, Middle Eastern. And so we we haven't been more forensic. We're gonna we're about to repeat our research, and. Yeah. Um, Actually, maybe we will look more closely at Chinese um, because of, you know, what we saw as well with the Stop Asian Hate and, and um, 
yeah and the pandemic and the anti-asian sentiment um yeah so it may, it may be um it may be worth us looking more closely at the chinese community given they are yeah. our second language second largest language community yeah but no there well, hasn't there haven't been any nothing i could nothing i can think of which probably no. means so and your friend that was the co-founder with you who is she also working in a television network no like she you actually, are she's actually now based in new york um, oh, so she's left Australia. She's left Australia. So she's now she has to deal with all the anti-Asian bullshit in New York City. <laughs> exactly. So she lives in, she lives in New York. Um, so she's still our co-chair and still part of you know the board. But she's yeah, yeah. she's not here and um, working gone. in the newsroom. Amazing. And so, in terms of your book, Antoinette, are you? When's that coming out? Um, it's coming out in May. Um, okay. And so have you finished it or is it yeah, last? Yeah, I, I finished it. I finished so it. Topic. Oh, amazing. So you can have a relaxed holiday time now. Yeah, so it's it's done. Um, and it's, Like completely, completely all revisions? and. Oh, I think the lawyers have had one last look at it and I've got a couple of questions. The lawyers. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> um, I love it. Hashtag I'm not really... all white lawyers. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, I'm really excited that, you know, so I had um, – a couple, so ended up being a couple of publishers bidding for it in the end, and there was an independent publisher as well as Penguin. Um, yeah. And in the end, for a number of reasons, I went with Penguin, but mainly because I wanted this to not be a book that f sat on the fringes because yeah, you know, of course. people of colour and diversity um, and multiculturalism is no longer some kind of tiny little issue. It's the way of it's the way of life. It's the way of the society yeah. you live in, and it's the way of the society I live in. Um, it's also why I work for a commercial broadcaster. So in Australia, for yeah. unlike anywhere else in the world, we have two public broadcasters and one is a multicultural focus broadcaster. So the reason it was started in the 70s was to deliver news and content in multiple languages to our multiple language communities. And yeah. so I, I understand its purpose back then, but since then it's meant the rest of the media have kind of gone, oh, oh, that story yeah. about a brown person, that that. We don't do that type of story. That wow. network okay. does that type of story. That's that's generally been the type. And even now when I go out and about despite my career and my, you know, my accomplishments, and I can say that because I've worked damn hard, um, yeah. I meet people, even though they're in the media, they'll go, oh, so you work at SBS. SBS is the multicultural broadcast. Yeah. And I'm like, no. Oh, God. I work at 10. And then Amazing. the same conversation I had with the guy 10 minutes later, it was like, yes, yeah. so after I corrected him and said I work at Network 10, he said, yeah, so um, how long was it you said you've been at SBS? I said, I, I just corrected you. Like, Oh, my Lord. It's just like embedded. It's embedded and uncon. And he wasn't even trying to annoy me. And I was like. No, that's the scary thing. It's, it's, it's in, their, in their subconscious and it's so normalized. Um, I've been living in New Zealand for I don't know how long now maybe 14 years and I have to say it's the most racist English-speaking country I've ever lived in and oh, have you spent much time in Australia no so I used to for work have to go to Sydney and when I realized like that Western Sydney was you know all these ethnicities all compartmentalized in their own like I was just that scared me it reminded me of a time in Germany which is where I'm from originally where they compartmentalized ethnicities as well um, so I'd say, yeah, I've heard the Australian accent sounds racist to me. So, <laughs> um, your, your, as, accent's, your accent's very mixed. Well, yeah, I, so I grew up in Germany and I only spent a little time in America. So I get Irish a lot. I spend a long yeah. time in England. So yeah. it's hard for people to um, 
gauge where I'm from. And I also went to an international school, which is so I was like yeah, culturally right. ambivalent where I yeah, was raised. Right. So, but yeah, and even being there and yeah, so as a white person being in New Zealand, that's how I could realize how racist it was, mm-hmm. you know, because people would confide and say things, especially yeah. about Maori people. And I'm, I like, I can tolerate a lot of stuff, but when it comes to misogyny and racism, I just, I don't care. I don't care if I'm going to get beaten up or whatever. I always say something. And like, so you. especially Maori people, Asians, um, and if you're white and German, people automatically are like, all right, maybe this guy's on my side. So I'll just let fly that little joke. And that's where the worst part of it is when these little tiny little jokes that seem innocuous and harmless, when they pervade throughout society and become normalized. Yeah. Um, that's when, and that's where New Zealand is just ranks above all other. I live, I've lived in England. I've lived in Ireland. I've lived in the I, States. I, I have to say, though, uh, New Zealand's treatment of its Maori people yeah. has been better. It's reconciling. Oh, yeah. It's not perfect, but it's a lot better than Australia. No, and I was also going to say in terms of media representation and stuff like, I mean, we've also got the equivalent of the SBS in terms of called the Maori, tele, Maori TV, but yeah. there's a lot of Maori on the main television networks and speaking Maori as well has become normal in the news and saying yeah. Maori so terms. We're, so we're they have done, but again, this is, this is like you say, window dressing, right? It's superficially yeah. looks great, but under the underbelly, you know, we just had this massive farmer protest called the mother of all protests because they were protesting a diesel tax. So they all went on the street with their, you know, tractors and everything and had said, like, this is New Zealand. Stop calling it Aotearoa and, like, you know, yeah, stop shoving Maori down our throats and, like, just evil. And also all Utes matter, like, shit like that. Oh, you know? my God. I know. And I was like, had I seen someone with a sign like that, I would have, I would have lost control so we have that here that element that's why you're someone like you is so important and that's why you know in my book my book is for allies and advocates and a lot of people like you in this world who like okay I understand the system I know where I sit in the system and that's okay and that's one of the things just go identify who you are and you don't have to feel guilty about it like for example even though I'm a Middle Eastern woman I have a European name Um, I'm, I'm, I'm a Christian I'm not a Muslim. Um, And I know that that affords me certain freedoms that um, hijabi-wearing Arabic women don't have. And so that's okay. But what I will do is lean into that privilege that I have and the privilege I have by having a a media voice and a presence to help me amplify those who are worse Amazing. Yeah, leverage it. And that's what this book is for. It's for anybody who has a racist uncle that they have to have a conversation with at the barbecue or trying you know, combat um, lack of inclusion or diversity in the workplace or probably maybe wanting to start something at the local community level. I don't know, but this is the yeah. book is tools and tips of how to identify who you are Brilliant. and where, where you are in the pecking order and which ways to navigate change, knowing that it will, can make you really unpopular. Yeah. Um, and that's the whole loose friends. Um, and, yeah. you know, and people have lost friends over who voted for Trump and people are losing oh, hell friends yes. over Split families apart. Not, not vaccinated, yeah. whatever it is, how to identify which friends to let go of um, and to A, to protect yourself. And, you know, it's it's kind of a cheeky, tongue-in-cheek tips because a lot of people have gotten to this place probably where you are going, I hear it, I don't like it, you know, um, I'll tell that person off if I yeah. hear it, but what more can I do? 
Um, and this yeah. hopefully will inspire people to know what next. So good. I have to admit, like everyone I've told about this, I've I said the title wrong. I was like, win friends and influence white people. But now I'm never going to forget. I'll get it right yeah. every single time. And most um, people, it's so funny. When I, some, one time I was in New South Wales Parliament and I was doing this uh, speaking event and I was in the room beforehand and there were all these like 60-year-old white male politicians going, oh, I heard you're writing a book. What's it called? And I'm like, okay, brace myself. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> and it's Just funny. I told them the 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 title and they're just like, yeah, it was hilarious. If I will, this is what you You should wear a camera from now, just catching, <laughs> and then to make a compilation for when the book comes out. Um, awesome! Thank you so much for taking the time, Antoinette. It's been a real pleasure, and hopefully, when it comes out, I can have you on again. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, let me know yeah? when this come out and I'll promote it as well. Let me know if I you will. Need, do you need photos or anything for a social tile? Like social yeah, yeah, so um, photos would be amazing if you could email them to me, black and white, whatever you want. I yeah, us right. usually use about three. Okay. Brilliant. All right, wonderful. Awesome. Have a great day and weekend, Antoinette. Bye-bye. Call your husband. <laughs> <laughs> nice one. Okay. Bye-bye. <laughs>
non-white people in the white predominant world and yeah i think she's done a fantastic thing to further her cause with her work at media diversity australia so yeah thanks heaps antoinette and hopefully we can have you back when your book gets published uh, next week i've got jetem higher on the podcast a children's book writer and mindfulness enthusiast and that's going to be another great talk that you guys can look forward to but until then papai maori ora and thank you so much for listening everyone bye